1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Marie Jokum. And I'm Bridget Murphy, filling in for Michael Bear. Today on the show, we are
2: joined by the new CEO of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago, Sally Blum. But before we talk to Sally, we want to share with all of you that we join you in praying for our city and for all of those business owners whose stores and livelihoods were damaged in the early hours on Monday. Some of them were just getting back on their feet given lockdown, and our hearts go out to them. Let's also ask for discernment among our leaders and among all of us in unpacking and addressing the complex issues that we face together as a city.
1: And we are blessed today really I I know I say this every every week when we highlight our workers our staff our programs but today particularly we're blessed amidst kind of this new our new reality our um, the challenges ahead the the opportunities ahead we're really blessed to have our new CEO here with us this morning so welcome Sally thank you I'm excited to be here Marie thanks thanks Britta you bet Sally comes to Catholic Charities from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, where she remains a professor and was the dean from 2010 to 2018. She's also the former dean of New York University's Stern School of Business. And Cardinal supich said this about her appointment, which um, gives us all a lot of hope. He said, with her organizational and leadership expertise, profound faith, and strong commitment to social justice, she is the ideal person to lead Catholic charities at this exciting and challenging time. There isn't a better endorsement, <laughs> um, I think, and also it has rang true for, for certain the last few months as we've gotten to know Sally. So, so welcome again.
0: Thanks. Uh, th- though it's a little humbling, you guys—it um, you know, sort of
2: sets the bar kind of high. It's like I need to be a miracle worker. That's right. We, no, have, we have very no. high expectations. <laughs> um, Sally, let's start with you know the most obvious question: What attracted you to leading Catholic charities, um, particularly coming from your experience in academia? Uh.
0: It's a complex question, yet I want to try to make it simple and succinct, because as as you all know, any life journey has a lot of interesting meanderings and conversations. Mm -hmm. I was really lucky as a woman to be able to have a career as a professor um, at some of the greatest institutions in the world. I got my doctorate um, at Northwestern at the Kellogg School, which is one of the reasons why it was so sweet to come back and be the dean there as well. I had the privilege as a sort of true Chicago girl of them being on the faculty at the University of Chicago for 9 years so I've sort of been on both sides of that sort of academic jousting um since those <laughs> two schools are always a bit in competition and what was neat about being at the University of Chicago is my parents actually met there as graduate Aww. students so that was a lot of fun to be on faculty there and then as my parents got older and they were out east I was I was at NYU and so it, you know I often felt like I had the most amazing career as a professor It was a great thing to be doing when I was having babies and raising my kids. And then much to my surprise, in my mid-40s, I got called. I I discovered I had a set of leadership skills I didn't didn't really know that sort of started emerging, that, that New York University identified in me when they made me the dean of their undergraduate college of business, and then later Kellogg when they asked me to come back and be dean. And so what was clear to me, though, as I began to feel called to move away from the Deanship at Kellogg, and that came out of um, silent retreats that I took every year, and, and that was a process of discernment over time. And But as it became really clear to me that it was time to step away from being a dean, one of the things I had to figure out is is, where did God want me to go next? And so I took a sabbatical, which I'd never had. And I the first thing I needed to do on the sabbatical, as I'd committed to myself was I was going to go do the thirty day Ignatian exercises with the Jesuits. They call that the spiritual exercises. You know, this idea that that spiritually we need to build muscle as much as we do physically and emotionally. So I did the 30-day retreat in the fall of my sabbatical year, and that was an incredibly powerful, powerful experience to live in silence for 30 days. As a communicator, is always an interesting thing. Yeah.
1: I think to I would find that, that challenging.
0: <laughs> yeah, to spend that much time in a small community of, of, you know, devoted to this kind of discernment. I mean, that is the Jesuits' charism. And that was a powerful thing. I had a wonderful retreat director himself who'd been a provincial for the Jesuits, and he'd also been the president of one of their colleges. So he understood the life that I was coming from. And he was really one of the people saying, you know, don't be certain that God wants you to go back to academics, or if he does, as a teacher, because, you know, I have a lot of skills at teaching that had lain fallow while I was dean because there just wasn't as much time for that. He goes, Sally, he may be asking you to touch people's hearts more deeply rather than, you know when you're an organization leader it's kind of you touch a lot of people at a small amount but when you teach you you touch people more deeply individually and and so that was the discernment piece to me is, was god really calling me to just go back and teach and shape students one at a time or was he going to call me to another organizational role and um I have to tell you, when I started my discernment process, I never would have predicted that it was going to land at Catholic Charities, <laughs> and uh, I mean, man, oh man, I'm as surprised as the next person if you'd even told me a year ago that that's what I would be doing. I was checking my, my journal from a year ago, but I think what happened is I, things kept coming at me, and I kept going, no, that's not it, no, that's not it, and I, you know, I was really lucky. A lot of really interesting calls came in the not-for-profit environment and academics and even some for-profit educational organizations. And I just kept taking them to the Lord in prayer, and I continued to be in spiritual direction because, you know, these kinds of things take a lot of discernment. And, it, and then in February, the Search Committee for Catholic Charities called, and I went into prayer thinking, yeah, it's not supposed to be this, and yet what prayer discerned was, oh my golly, you've got to be kidding. This is it. And, <laughs> and one of the ways you know is both is your own heart, but the heart of the committee, right? Because sometimes we have a heart for something, but the people who are in charge of hiring you don't have a heart for you, which means it isn't your call. Hmm. And I think what became clear is all our hearts opened. And then the Cardinal's kind of a persuasive guy. right?
1: And you, you, have a, you can't really, you know, he calls you. It's hard to say no to that guy, right?
0: Oh, my God, <laughs> the Cardinal, you know, Archbishop of Chicago. You know, even as a child, imagine you get to talk to the Cardinal. You know, you go back to that little girl self inside yourself, and you like, whoa, the Cardinal's asking me to serve.
1: You know, Sally. That's powerful. We um, are going to head into a break here in a little bit, but I think one of the things that we definitely want to talk to you when we come back from this break is sort of this history, kind of what I hear when you tell us the story of discernment is a lot of listening, a lot of um, getting to know sort of yourself, what God is calling of you. And I think this leads into beautifully sort of what you've been doing um, in your first few months here with us at Catholic Charities. So when we come back from the break, more with Sally Blunt, our new CEO.
2: more people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219.
1: Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. This is Marie Jocum And Bridget Murphy, And we're here today talking with Sally Blount, our new CEO and president of Catholic Charities. Sally, right before the break, we were talking about that period of discernment and kind of a little bit of your story of what led you to us, although I have a feeling we could talk with you for hours on that. But I know that you've put in a lot of time in the months before you officially started talking with staff and board members, learning different parts of the organization, And, of course, that's going to be an ongoing process. But as you're into day two of week two in your new (laughs) role, what struck you in these early days? You know, I think the thing that strikes you
0: first and foremost about the Catholic Charities of Chicago is the depth and breadth of what this organization brings to our region. I think so few—I don't even know that all Catholics much more— People beyond the Catholic faith understand that the Catholic Charities of Chicago is the largest uh, private social service provider in the region, that we serve anyone in need who comes to us. We don't pay attention. You know, while we are motivated by Catholic social teaching and Catholic values, we are here to serve God's people. So it doesn't matter your faith, your race, your ethnicity, even your gender identity. You know, Jesus would have given food to anyone, and as I'm sure he did when he was doing the fishes and loaves. And that's what's amazing, is we provide charity to the vulnerable, the suffering, the overlooked. Um, Every day we are witnessing a message of hope and mercy to a world that's ever more in need, I would argue. And I think when you realize how many government leaders rely on us for partnership because they trust us because of our values, you know, I'd argue that we're one of the most, if not the most trusted you know, values-based mission partner for civic leaders of all faiths, and and that's a mighty,
2: mighty role to play in our community. It's so true, and and especially now. I mean, you do hear a lot of now more than ever language, right, um, around a lot of organizations. But it, it really does feel true about Catholic charities in this moment, and and after a hundred years. Um, one of the things you've um, talked with us about in your early days is is our mission of mercy mm-hmm. and. You've mentioned specifically, and I'm not familiar with it, I'm uh, ashamed to say, uh, St. Pope John Paul II's Dives in Misericordia is the name of it. Can you tell us what you find so powerful about that um, piece and about mercy as, uh, as the core of what we do? So
0: this is one of Pope John Paul's um, most remembered encyclicals. And it really was on the practice of mercy. And and when I took this job, a, a good friend, or who, someone who's becoming a very good friend, Father Wayne Watts, had I said, "How can I learn more about mercy?" Because we were talking about the seven acts of mercy, you know, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, um, that that are core to the Catholic faith and come right out of our biblical teachings. And he said, "You want to learn more about mercy? First place you got to go is to this encyclical by Pope um, John Paul II." <laughs> and he talks about the mutual practice of mercy, because the whole point isn't just when we who are privileged enough to have time and resources to give to those in need, it, it on a spiritual level, Jesus and God are all about transformation, both of those who receive, because we give them hope, and we help them know they're not alone, but also the transformation of hearts of those of us who give, because it means we hold less tightly onto what we have, and we're less likely to say it's mine, because, you know, the reality is nothing is mine, nothing is yours. We are all stewards of the riches of this planet, and I think the whole act of giving, the whole act of mercy is to remind us We are simply part of the flow of God's mercy to all, and we all need to give and receive. And just because we may have material wealth does not mean we have spiritual wealth. And in fact, sometimes, as you all know, you've been in the serving lines at Catholic Charities, you've been in the food pantries, you've been in the clothes, you know, in the clothes closets. um, And you sometimes know, sometimes the faith of those who, who live closest to the line is deeper, because they trust in God every single day the way the apostles did. And it's important to remember that, is that material wealth does not equate with spiritual wealth.
1: And I think, too, you know, Sally, listening to you talk on mercy the last few weeks, and um, it, when I was in college, I read this encyclical, and it really did change sort of the trajectory of what I wanted to do with my life, because for me it was kind of this moment of like, whoa, whoa, mercy isn't what I think it is. This yeah. is a transformative um, Interaction—it's about relationships—and we talk a lot on this show with um, with frontline workers who who are there at the, on those lines, right? Who are who are giving and receiving mercy every day, and you know, it 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 makes me think of another hero of our church, uh, Saint Mother Teresa, who you've also shared with us a little bit. That is your role model for leadership, and I'm certain that our listeners would love to sort of hear you unpack that a little bit.
0: Well, I think what's important, so first of all, let me do a slight digression, though I don't want to go too far because no. I know we're on limited time. But whenever you're a female leader, you're looking for role models because you, you need to learn how to present yourself and how to. what does an effective leader look like out in the world. And one of the advantages that men have had is they've had people to look up to for centuries, about what does effective leadership and countenance and gravitas look like. And as women, we have fewer options, and that's something that I talk a lot about with the students. It's something I've wrestled a lot with a lot. And for me, coming into this role is I needed to have a clear role model in my mind, like almost an image to aspire to, um, to hold myself accountable to of, of you know, not me, not, but the Lord. And And especially in the Catholic Church, there aren't as many um, role models, and one of the challenges is a lot of the ones we know about are saints, and that's a little daunting, right? But <laughs> and even Mother Mother Teresa will become a saint, but but she's a modern day saint, and so we can look at how she, even in the modern days, had such unbelievable humility. No matter how famous she became, no matter how many followers she got, she was still out in the slums of Calcutta serving people and caring for the sick and the hungry every single day. She was the ultimate doer. And and as we've joked about, and she'd never give a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that I, line, you know. And and so I think we have to think about that. Is because I think the secular version of a leader, and yet what the what the Catholic Church teaches us in the history of the saints, small as, you know, not just large as, is is we have a tradition of leadership that we shouldn't lose track of, even in these very important modern times of transformation.
1: I I love that, Sally, and I I know, too, you know, that one of the things I love about Mother Teresa is she was a tough cookie, right? She made the hard decisions, she met with people, she had hard conversations, and she led her sisters and the the people who worked with her, her volunteers and donors to God, and I think... um, Not to put a lot of pressure on you, but I know that you (laughs) will do that as well, Sally. Um, So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with the new CEO and president of Catholic Charities of Chicago, Sally Blunt. Catholic Charity's After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit aftersuppervisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. and welcome back to The Voice of Charity. This is Marie Jokum And Bridget Murphy. And we are here today talking with the new CEO and President of Catholic Charities, Sally Bourne. Before the break, we were talking about
2: how Mother Teresa is a model of leadership for you, Sally. And I think the, the one thing I wanted to highlight, uh, Marie and I talked about this over the break, is... One of the inspiring things about Mother Teresa is, you know, a problem solver for sure, but also believe that we need to accompany people in in their suffering and that really the our call is to do both of those things. We walk with people and then we work to solve and help them solve whatever issues they might be dealing with. And and social workers are really at the the core of that. And that expertise informs our work every day. So I think um, we're glad she's a role model for you. And she's most definitely a role model for so many of us. So, you know, you mentioned that you never, you know, when you started Discernment, you never thought you'd land at Catholic Charities. I'm sure you never thought you'd start amidst a pandemic um, and amidst some real social reckoning. Um, How do you see us navigating through this?
0: You know, one of the wonderful things about coming from a place of faith, of not being a secular institution, but being a faith-based institution, um, we know that God's in charge, and God has always been in charge. And so we have nothing to fear except all we have to fear is losing our alignment with God. If we stay in the service of God, um, he will direct us how to be his hands out in the world. And, and we are to operate on God's time, not human time. And, and that gives, that's where we can take our confidence from. That's where we can put our anxieties when, when we see the suffering. And, and, I mean, all of us at Catholic Charities are worried about what's going to happen with evictions and with families in need for homes, um, it, you know, starting, starting in the next few weeks as the um, government monies begin to run out. I mean, we just know that there's a massive, with the unemployment, the, the unprecedented historical spikes in unemployment, um, with, the, um, with the issue of the sickness among the most vulnerable populations that are least economically advantaged. And that's not going away yet. A solution isn't coming readily. And so this is gonna be a time of greater need than we've ever seen probably in a century since the last pandemic. And yet what empowers us is that we're here to help. We are God's hands out in the world. It is gonna be more important than ever that we are completely ready to say, God, how can we serve? Jesus, how can we serve? And that's what's exciting, is we have the partnerships, we have the breadth of services. We already operate in 221 sites. We have 2,000 employees on the ground. We have 20-some thousand donors and volunteers to help us. We are a trusted and valued partner of some of the most important government leaders of our region. I mean, we are ready to serve in the most... um, You know, I don't know of other organizations that have that set of capabilities, and we come at it with a spiritual muscle that has been born over a century um, since we were founded. And we are ready to lead in talking about the racial inequity issues, right? We are ready to lead to say that God loves every single one of us equally, and he asks us to cherish each other without, you know, even Jesus. Sometimes people sort of bristle when Jesus said, you know, there's some point where he, he says, no, I'm not going to talk to my mom or my family right now. I'm busy being here with you. <laughs> that my fellowship with you is far more important than the people to whom I'm directly related. And he wasn't saying that the family doesn't matter, but what he was saying is that we all matter and that there are times when we are called to serve outside of our family boundaries as deeply and humanely and with as much heart as we do within our family boundaries. And this will be an exciting time to grow in faith and that kind of service
2: to God. Right. I think everyone can see how how lucky we are to have you leading us at this time. I think, too, just an aside, uh, I've been on enough Zoom calls with Sally. Poor Sally is starting her tenure um, having to meet everyone via Zoom to know that um, those of you listening, she is gesturing with her arms and uh, she is a real educator that way. She has such enthusiasm for um, our work and everything she's learning and bringing to the table. So I, 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 can, I can see you moving even though I can't see you Um but I think we wanted to ask, go back a little bit to that, to that faith journey. We, you went on retreat. And, um, you know, of, of, of course, getting to know you just a little bit, you would go right into like a month long retreat, you know, you went right to the, the big guns. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about a little more about your your faith journey? Because I, I don't believe you were raised Catholic.
0: No, I was not raised Catholic. So in fact, You don't get to do the big guns unless you've done several shorter retreats. The Jesuits require that, Bridget. Uh, But the way I came to Catholicism is I went on my very first silent retreat. It was a long weekend with a Jesuit house out in New Jersey when I was working at NYU. And I got to know through that retreat the fathers. I got to go to their home church a few times at their invitation and and share meals with that community. And that... That experience and the spiritual director I had out there and beginning to do retreats as a spiritual practice led eventually to this sense that I was being called to the Catholic Church. And I I can tell you I had a very um, deep and meaningful moment when I was in prayer at a Jesuit retreat house in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And it was late one night as I was starting the Kellogg deanship job, and I was feeling kind of stressed Um, I I was because I had to move away from my parents who was older and, and in the East Coast. My youngest child was going off um, to college, and I had just gone through a divorce. And I felt a little shaky, and yet I felt clear that God was calling me to do this. And in prayer, I had this distinct sense of Mary coming and sitting and talking to me and saying, I know what it's like to be a woman alone in life. I know what it's like to be called to do something you don't feel quite ready to do and after that in moment which you can imagine was life changing mm-hmm. i went back to my jesuit spiritual director and i said i guess i'm a catholic <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm talking to mary so i don't <laughs> so know Mary's
1: i'm here to talk
0: to me. and um but but that was a prof- changing moment in my life because i realized that's exactly who i was i mean mary is also a role model of mine right whenever i feel weak as a woman alone you know who's chosen right now it's a very deliberate you know it is my call and mary is my inspiration and and i think any woman who of faith when you feel alone whether you're married or you do you've been called to live alone mary is such a comfort yeah. And one of the beautiful aspects of the Catholic faith is that we understand who Mary is, and that there's so many wonderful um, teachers in, in in to teach you more about Mary um, because of all the writings that are done within our faith. So I love Mary, and she's all over Catholic Charities.
1: You know, I think, Sally, it brings me to—we need you on this show for like 17 more hours, so I hope you can clear <laughs> your calendar every Tuesday morning— but- I think, you know, the other thing that always has struck, struck me, or maybe as I've aged, struck me about Mary is how is how strong she was, right? There's this idea of what meekness is, and that could be another whole show. But I think Mary was a strong woman, and I think oh, what, what we yeah. need is a strong leader, and we have that in you. And Sally, we are so grateful that you are here with us. And we're grateful that you that you said yes, right? That you had that conversation with Mary and you <laughs> didn't run screaming. You said, I'm in. And we, we are really grateful for that.
0: Well, so- thank you guys for doing what you're doing. This, um conversations that you lead on behalf of our faith um, and that, that you're out talking to people in our community is so important. So Um, Marie, thanks for working on this show, and Bridget, you're such a wonderful companion to Marie and to all the work you do in communications for Catholic Charities. It's really important. So both of you are a gift to all of us.
1: Oh, thank, thank you. you. We Sally. appreciate we, that. We um, are not so- enough guests. Compliment us, Marie. <laughs> wait, wait. No, I don't think that's happened before. You're welcome back anytime, Sally. So Bridget Take and I care. feel very fortunate to work for this agency under your leadership. And we know that we'll continue to learn a great deal and do important things together. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And all of us at Catholic Charities wish you a safe and healthy and happy week. Take care.